On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It truly is good to be with you here today in God's house to share with you the words of eternal life. God is good. God is good. Our Savior is good. He is a Savior that will not pass you by. He will never pass you by. He gives you faith. He gives you faith in his power, in his ability, and in the salvation that he has provided. And it is faith in him. It is faith in Jesus that makes you well today. Do you believe? Do you trust? If you believe and you trust, you have been made well by faith in Jesus Christ. Did you notice who the hero is in this account of healing? Now, I know Jesus is always the hero. But within this account of healing, who is, who is given to us as an example of faith? Who is the one who comes back to Jesus and gives thanks to Jesus for this miraculous healing. A Samaritan. A Samaritan returns. A Samaritan is the one who is given faith. The Samaritan is the one who falls at Jesus' feet and praises him. A Samaritan. The Samaritan is the one who has great faith. The Samaritan is the one who's given to us as an example. Why is this significant? On the surface, it doesn't really seem that significant that a Samaritan, a foreigner, would come and, and, and give praise to Jesus and be given to us as an example of faith. But to those of us who know the scriptures, we know who the Samaritans are. And we know that the Samaritans were despised. To those who first learned about Jesus, to those who first read the Gospels, it would have been radical to hear something about a Samaritan that was told in a positive way. It would be like in our day, uh, speaking of, of an Islamic terrorist in a positive way, or of somebody within society that we really look down upon in a positive way. You see, when the, the gospel writers wrote the story of Jesus, they're not afraid to tell of Jesus and the radical ways that Jesus worked among people and how Jesus absolutely shattered the stereotypes of the day. 
Think of the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, who was a sinner. She was a Samaritan and she was a woman, and yet Jesus goes and speaks to the Samaritan. And she became an example of what it means to be an evangelist. She went and told the village about Jesus. The parable of the Good Samaritan would have been offensive to Jewish ears, but Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan as an example of what it means to fulfill the law. And here in Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 men. 10 men are healed, and only the Samaritan comes back to give thanks. That doesn't shock us. But it would have shocked those who first read of this account in Luke chapter 17. Samaritans were despised by the Jewish people of Jesus' day. To make a Samaritan the hero, to talk about the Samaritan as the one who has great faith, would have been a scandal to Jewish ears. The Jews of Jesus' day would have thought that a Samaritan, that a Samaritan stuck, struck with leprosy, stricken with leprosy, would have been a good thing. They would have said, it's, it's a good thing that that Samaritan has leprosy because after all, a Samaritan deserves such a terrible fate. Did you know that they called Samaritans dogs? That was the word that they used to describe Samaritans. They believed the Samaritans were at the bottom of society's barrel. So at the very bottom of all of society, here are the Samaritans, worse than Gentiles. And yet it's a Samaritan that returns and gives thanks to Jesus. So he's a Samaritan, and he has... Leprosy. It was bad enough that he was a Samaritan, and then on top of that was the stigma of leprosy. In Leviticus, we're given what are called cleanliness codes in the Old Testament book of Leviticus. There are, we, are, we read of certain uh, rules that were given to the Jewish, Jewish people regarding uh, skin diseases. In, Le, in Leviticus 13.45... It says, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Can you imagine being struck with a disease, being required to wear torn clothes, required to wear your hair in a disheveled manner, and when you go about you had to cover your lip and cry out, unclean, unclean, and then you have to live alone outside the camp? You can't live in the community? Everything about this account in Luke 17 went against the thoughts of Jesus' day. 
His race was wrong. His disease made him an outcast. And then on top of all this, the theology of the day taught that he deserved every ounce of his suffering. It was believed in Jesus' day that if you were struck with a disease, that you deserved that disease because of some past sin. So on top of this, he must have deserved the situation that he was in because of what they thought, their thinking in that day. So here we have a man at the very bottom of society in Jesus' day. No one would touch him. Everyone looked down upon him. People believed that he was lesser than they. Spiritually deplorable. Do we have similar intolerant views and thoughts towards others in our polarized and intolerant culture? Is anything different today, in 2019? Maybe you've thought this way about different people within society. Maybe you thought that Trump supporters are second-class citizens, not as intelligent as you are. Maybe you thought that those who vote for Democrats are unspiritual or unfaithful to biblical standards and ideals. Maybe you thought that the homeless are lazy and they deserve to be homeless and they deserve to be hungry. Maybe you thought that LGBTQ people are, are extra morally depraved or more sinful than the rest of us as if their sin is worse than my sin. Maybe you thought that addicts have a weak will and that they could stop drinking or using if they wanted to. So we like to put certain people on a lower shelf. These people are scumbags or deplorable or more sinful than the rest of society. How many of you who grew up in church, uh, how many of you who grew up in church have sensed an attitude from the church that goes something like this? Because we're saved, because we're saved, we're a little better than everybody else out there. Anybody ever sensed that before from the church? That because we're Christians, because we know the truth, because we're saved, because we trust in Jesus, because we follow the Bible, we're a little better than everybody else. Since that before? This is exactly what the Jews of Jesus' day did to Samaritans and to other people. But notice Jesus. Notice Jesus today. Jesus doesn't pass by these ten lepers. I can just see it. Everybody else that's walking by that day, everybody else walking by there, they walk a little faster, right? They want to get past the, that, this group of, of men with torn clothes and, and messed up hair and, and a nasty skin disease. But Jesus doesn't pass them by. 
Jesus never passes anybody by who cries out for mercy. Jesus won't pass by anyone today in our society that is crying out for mercy. Did you know that? We might pass by. We, we may avoid but Jesus will never avoid or never pass by. Jesus won't pass by the child in foster care struggling with PTSD and deep behavioral issues. He won't pass by that kid, the kid that nobody else wants. He'll never pass by. Should we pass by? Jesus won't pass by the homeless family stressed out because they don't know where they'll sleep in freezing weather. Should we pass them by? Jesus won't pass by the kids struggling with sexual identity. Jesus won't pass by the immigrant trying to make, to make a life in a new culture. And Jesus will never pass you by. He will never pass you by. So I ask you this morning, where are you at in your life right now? How are you struggling? Where is your struggle? Where is your doubt? Where is your difficulty? Has the church ever looked down upon you? Have you ever felt that you are an outsider because of the circumstances that you were going through in life? Or do you believe that if everybody knew what I have done or where I have been, then they would not accept me anymore? The church may pass you by, believe it or not. The church may reject you, but Jesus never will. He never will. Know that Jesus has not, and he never will pass you by. Jesus desires to come into your life in a radical way, and he wants to bring about a transformation a biblical transformation, a transformation that causes you to understand life from God's perspective. Jesus desires to come into your life in such a way that you'll never be the same because his word has entered into your heart. And when his word enters into your heart, everything, everything changes. Did you know that Jesus will not pass you by because he wants to make you well? Jesus wants you well today in the same way he desired for those ten lepers to be made well and for the Samaritan to be made well and for countless other people that we read about in the Gospels to be made well. Jesus wants to make you well. And you might think that all sorts of things will make me well. The addict continues to drink because it makes the pain go away for a little while, but it doesn't make him well. It doesn't make him well. We all turn to things that we think will make us well. A relationship, an accomplishment, an affirmation of some sort. If only I had this. If only I could accomplish that. If only people would love me. 
then I would be made well. We all turn to things that we think or we believe will make us well. Or we dupe ourselves into believing that we can make ourselves well. We believe the lie that we have what it takes. We have what it takes to tackle the brokenness of our human existence. We understand that we are broken people and that we are in need of change. That we are in need of transformation. And we think that we have within us what it takes to make ourselves well. If we have what it takes to tackle the brokenness of our human existence, we wouldn't need Jesus. If human beings had the ability to tackle the issues of human brokenness, we wouldn't need this church. We wouldn't need Jesus. We wouldn't need the cross. We wouldn't need the resurrection. We wouldn't need God's true and an errant word in our lives. You see, I don't have what it takes. So I need Jesus, I need his truth, and I need his church, I need the community of believers. And too many people believe they have what it takes to heal their own brokenness. So when Jesus passes by, they let him pass by. They just let him pass by. Today Jesus is passing by. Don't let him pass by. Cry out to him. Say, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on me. I need you. I need you today. He's passing by. Cry out to him. Faith in Jesus makes you well. Faith in Jesus makes you well. How is faith in Jesus demonstrated in our gospel lesson today? Well, in a number of different ways. And these are things that you can actually take with you today. Uh, some very practical things that you can hold on today, uh, to today and, and uh, instill them within your heart. So what did the ten lepers do? Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12 if you have your Bibles today. I don't know if, Alex, if you can put verse 12 up on the screen for us. Verse 12. It says, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now listen to this. And they lifted up their voices. They lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. How many of you have prayed a prayer like that before? Jesus, have mercy on me today. Do you pray that way? Lord, I need you. Lord, I can't make this thing work out. I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of myself. I'm over my head. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. That's what Jesus desires from us. And this is how faith will demonstrate itself. If we trust in Jesus, we will cry out to Jesus throughout all of life's difficulties and circumstances. So today, begin praying that simple prayer. Jesus, have mercy upon me. Jesus, help me.
What did the Samaritan do? Verse 15. Can you put verse 15 up, Alex? What did the Samaritan do? Then one of them, verse 15, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. Praising God with a loud voice. Think of that. How often do we praise the Lord with a loud voice? How often do we sing out to the Lord for what he has done for us? A part of our response of faith is singing praises to God or giving praise to God verbally. Never look down upon a person who gets a little boisterous in church because you don't know how God is working in their heart or what God is doing in them. Praising God with a loud voice. And then he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And in the Greek, it gives us the, the picture, or it implies that, that he kept giving thanks and giving thanks and giving thanks. Go before the Lord. Thank him for what he has done. How many of you today could get up and tell a testimony of what God has done in your life and how God has worked? Give to him thanks and give to him praise. That is an expression of our faith. Never be ashamed to speak of Jesus and of what Jesus has done for you. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And then it says, and here's the surprising thing, and Luke had to put it in there. Because this is an important thing. Now he was a Samaritan. Shocking to the Jewish hearers. Shocking to them that, that here a Samaritan would give thanks and praise. And then what did Jesus say about the healed Samaritan? Verse 19. Verse 19. Alex, have you bring that one up? And he said to him, Rise. Go your way, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. So know that the result of faith, the result of faith is God's action in your life of making you well. You might not feel like you're well today, right? Today you might feel like you're, you're so far from being well. But know this reality, whether you feel it or not, if you believe and if you trust in Jesus, you have been made well. Your sins are forgiven. You've been given the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Eternal life is yours. I'm so thankful that my faith does not depend upon my feelings. If my faith depended upon my feelings, I would be in big trouble. Amen. My faith depends upon the promise, the promise of God. So what makes you well? Trusting in yourself, your own ability? Let me ask you this question. How is that working for you? Trusting in yourself, trusting in your own ability, trying to do it yourself without God. Is that working out for you? No. We are not made well by trusting in ourselves. We are made well by looking outside of our own abilities to Jesus Christ who has proven to make you well. So we don't look within. The world will tell us that we have whatever it takes within us to, to conquer life. 
and to find uh, what humanity really deeply is longing for. We just have to look within, the world will say. But the scripture says, don't look within. Look to Jesus. Look to the cross. And there you'll find what makes you well. In what ways do you need to be made well? In what ways do you need to be made well? Well, for you it could be one of any number of things. But there is one area in which we all need to be made well. You see, you can, you can have the best health in the world. You can have the best job and the fattest bank account. A great group of friends and family that support you. All the circumstances of your life can be amazing. But there is still one area in which you need to be made well. And that is your heart. Your soul. Sin. Sin really is the major issue here. Sin is the big thing. You see, I I can have everything in this world. Good health. You name it, a nice fancy sports car, a wonderful family. And if I don't have the forgiveness of sins, if I don't have the gift of eternal life, then I'm not well. I'm not well. You are not completely well until you know that Jesus is your Savior until you know that Jesus went to the cross and there he suffered and died and he rose again to give you the gift of the forgiveness of sins and everlasting life. We all need Jesus. If you're healthy, if your relationships are amazing, if your bank account is overflowing, you still need Jesus. You still need Jesus. You see, Paul says in Romans chapter 3, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. You see, the Jews thought they were up here, and the Gentiles they thought were down here. But Paul says, no, that's not true. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. Uh, For all have sinned. Do you know that? All have sinned. And all have fallen short of the glory of God. You see, the the scriptures put all of of the ethnicities and all of the people of the earth on, on one level. We're all sinners. We're all sinners in need of the grace of God. For we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then there's a beautiful verse in verse 20. And all are justified or all are made right with God freely by his grace. By his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we're all sinners, right? But then there's this amazing scriptural truth of grace. And by grace, we are made right with God. You see, God presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. Ultimately, bottom line, Jesus went to the cross. He shed his blood. And through the shedding of his blood, you are made well. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus says to you today, 
I love you. I forgive you. I don't hold any of the wrongs that you've done against you. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. And then Paul says, to be received by what? To be received by faith. To believe it, to trust it, is to be made well. The only way we're made well is by faith. Those who have been made well have been given this gift to trust in Jesus for salvation. Is faith faith something that comes from us? Is it something that comes from within us, or is it something that's given to us? We believe that faith is given to us. Even faith itself, which lays hold of these great promises, are a gift from God. So even faith is not of us. It is a gift of God given to us through the word of the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You hear this message. You believe it. You're made well. Never stop hearing. Never stop hearing. Because the more we hear, the more we believe, and the more We are made well. So I pray today that you have ears to hear Jesus today. That he loves you. That he died for you. That if you believe in him, you have everlasting life. That he promises, he promises to never leave you or forsake you on the journey of life. Jesus will never pass you by. He will come to you. He will give you faith, and your faith in him is what makes you well. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the truth of it, and I pray that this message today would truly penetrate us. Lord, I know that I need it so much. Uh, I get up and I preach, and so often when I preach, I'm preaching to, to myself. And, uh, Lord, I know that that if I sense this need, I know that there are people here today that sense this need, too. We need you, Jesus. Come to us. Work in us. Do what only you can do. We lay it all at your feet. We have nothing. You have everything. And for this, we give you thanks and praise. Amen.